0: As we break this word of life open, I invite you to hear what God is sharing in His heart from Him to us. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Hear this. And this is truth for you. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. But is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons... God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out. Hear that again. God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son. He has sent it forth into your hearts, crying out, Abba, or Daddy, Father, God. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you are an heir of God through Christ. This is the reading of God for the people of God. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you, broken individuals, redeemed, finding life in Christ. May we learn more today and step out in that faith. Amen. You may be seated. It's a challenge for a Christian, new, old, young, long term, doesn't matter, to understand what God does through us when we begin to think that we're just a person. I'm just me. Sometimes we say that. Well, I'm nothing special. I'm just me. God would say different. You're my son. You're my daughter. I have my spirit on you. I have my spirit in you. Do not forget this. Well, what does that mean? Spirit on us, spirit in us. Well, it simply means this that all authority and power of God that He can put on you, He has. (laughs) That you have the ability. We're going to look at a verse in Peter here in a little bit, in 1 Peter, that really, really transforms the way I look at this walk of faith. Now, our acrostic today is the word new. N-E-W. I could put a K on it and find another one but I didn't do that. It's just new. Not what you know, that you are new in Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, we are told in Scripture that we are all new creations in Christ. We start out, believe it or not, according to Scripture, as babes, needing the milk and not the meat. I remember one time a man came to speak a revival at the church I was pastoring, and I said, Sir, I hope you're not the milkman. I hope you're the butcher because I'm hungry for some meat. But the milk is learning that prayer and Scripture, Bible reading, if you will, are basic fundamentals of the faith. Praying for one another, lifting one another up, praising God, worshiping. These are basic fundamental things. This is the milk. This is finding out that you aren't who you were before and you are now something brand new. However, this brand new thing is like a brand new baby. You need nurture. You need to learn and grow and how to do it properly. Now, just as there are bad parents uh, in this entire world, there are also bad stewards of the faith to us who might say, well, you've got all you need. Just crawl around the rest of your life. I don't know about you, but I heard it said, In Ephesians chapter 6, having done all to stand, you stand. That we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities. You can't crawl and stand. You can't crawl and wrestle against those things. God has given us authority to stand against everything that would come against us. Scripture even says, no weapon that has ever been formed against you will succeed, or if you will, prosper. If the enemy raises up a standard, God says, I will raise up a flood against him. We have more on our side than is against us. And you might say, but you don't understand. A third of the angels fell from glory and there are all, all those demons and stuff around. And Yeah, but there's two-thirds on our side. You see, there's more for us than be against us. But what happens is we think we're alone in this battle and this is the first thing we need to learn as a newborn Christian and as we continue to go and be reminded constantly we need each other sometimes we have to ask for help sometimes we need accountability someone to help us to do that sometimes it's a call in the night or a visit from a friend and all of a sudden things change This is important, but this is part of the new creation, which is the end in the word new, new creation, that we are being recreated into the image of Christ. It says in Scripture, from one level of glory to the next, that we continue to ascend. You may have heard me use the word telios or telos. It means the level of maturity that you are able to reach right now. It's a maturation process. Now, hopefully you understand that when you mature, you don't just hit a level and plateau forever. If that's the case, then our rite of passage was tying our shoes. (laughs) And I think beyond that, we went to school and began to learn how to read and write and no one had to read to us or write for us after that. So there was another level of maturation there. We were getting grown up. So it is in the Christian faith. We start with basic fundamentals. Show up and be around believers. Pray for the church. Pray for those who are in need. Support the church. Find a way to tell people about what God's doing. Basic stuff. Read the Word of God, the Bible. Find a passage or a chapter or ask somebody where you should read if you're not sure where to start. It's a good thing to do. How else are we going to learn if we don't connect with one another, right? So this newness might be, well, I'm used to doing things by myself. Well, that's okay. You can be used to it. But God has called us into community. When I was in seminary, we had this guy who was really, really big on community. And when he said community, I cringed. I was the only boy in a family of you know six sisters and me and my mother and father. And I was used to doing things by myself. My second oldest sister used to say when I was playing with my cars and I was making that noise, you know, the truck noises and the car noises, she'd say, we never taught him that. How did he learn that? There was always this you're different than us type mentality. So I was kind of a loner, a rebel, if you will. Had to be. Well, and that mentality doesn't work in faith real well if you're going to rebel and have that mentality of, I'm going to do this by myself, you're going to be a candle that burns out. And you can't light yourself on fire. Well, let me try that again. You can't light yourself on God's fire. God has to do that, and others fan the flames. Our revival week that we had this week began a fire here, and the fans are flamed. Or the flames are fan. And the fans are now flamed into flames. I'm no longer a fan. I am a fired-up believer. And this is important for us as we think about new things. New ways of relating, new ways of talking, new ways of thinking about who we are, and new ways about telling others about God. What can we do to make our church more effective? What can we do to make it better? This last Wednesday was such a blessing. I, I can't even tell you and um, adequately, unless you were here. But in this very sanctuary, about seven twenty, seven twenty-five, 25 the worship team sat down and we said, let's change things up a little. We want to worship better. We want to be better for God. We want to do things to make the service flow better. So that we go into the sermon not going, oh, we just had a conversation for 20 minutes, now I'm totally tuned out. Instead, we're ready for God to move. And they did that because God's heart is on them. And that transformation, that's a good thing. And you'll see that when God gets a hold of us and moves us, that things are a little different, and that's okay. Things aren't like they used to be around here. And God's going, they never were like they used to be. If you remember when, and I don't, when bread was five cents a loaf, people were making five cents an hour. It's, oh, I wish I could have that price today. Well, yeah, but you don't want that wage. And when rent was $15 of, what was it, a month or a, for, or so, they're only making $50 a month. I can't even fathom that. But sure, I'd love for my mortgage payment to be $15, but I don't want my income to be 50 See, things that seem good have never really been as good as we thought they were because there's always the struggle that goes along with that. But in the kingdom of God, it's different. When God does a work, when God does a change, it becomes something that you can't go back to. And this is the E in new. It's evaluating and ending things. It says the old has gone, the new has come. We are now no longer slaves to sin and its power. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And God has poured out. He has sent forth. Now you say, well, uh, I didn't know He sent it forth. I thought I had to ask for that. God, when you believed in Jesus Christ and became a worshiper of His, He sent forth His Spirit on you to confirm to you that what you just did was true. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now you know that you know. But then what? You have to evaluate your life and end certain things that don't bring God glory. And He'll help you along the process. About ten days ago, I was sitting um, waiting on a client who wasn't showing up and I was getting frustrated. So what do I do, you know, pull out the electronics, start playing video games. After an hour and a half of waiting on a client, I said, um, I think I just wasted an hour and a half playing video games getting paid for it. I don't know if that's healthy or not. And in that moment, I said, I can't do this anymore." So I went through and I deleted all that stuff. So it's just productivity stuff there. And the next day, I had three hours extra. I didn't know what to do with. We're so busy We're not busy. we're distracted. I promise you, we're distracted. And we're distracted thinking, well, just five minutes here. Just two minutes here. Just three minutes here. Just one time I'm going to do this. Just, 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 just. Well, that's not just at all. That's injustice. In my opinion, at least that's what I'd call it. And so we have to look at things and say, if I'm, am I making excuses and, and, and saying that this is important or is it really valuable? Is it a distraction or is it a distinction of me as a believer? This is the evaluation the Holy Spirit begins to bring to us. To begin to challenge us on levels that make us very, very, at times, uncomfortable. Why? Because there's a point in our life where we're not all the way surrendered. There's stuff we're still struggling with. There are people in this very room who still struggle with issues in their life after they believe in Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Did you know that a Christian will walk this planet and will still make mistakes? I bet you've seen a few. Not you, right? Not you. Well, I've got to tell you, I look in the mirror and I can see a few of the mistakes that one Christian has made. And I can tell you that those things humble us to get back to God quickly and say, God, help me. This is not bringing you glory. This is not something that will transform our lives. This will not help me get closer to you. Help me! In that moment, God can hear that prayer. Why? Because you're asking Him to embrace your heart for Him and hold it in His hand. God, this is something that's not making you happy with me. Help me. That's a simple prayer, isn't it? And if you know God like I know God, He will help you. You may not like the way He helps you. Sometimes it's an interruption from someone you don't expect to show up or a phone call or something like that and you go, oh God, I've been praying for this. Why did you have to answer it in a way that hurts? <laughs> Happens. But things end when God gets a hold of it. And the beautiful thing about it is, is once He takes away, you go, why did I even want that? But we don't know this until it's gone. This I promise you. Because we hold on tight because we think it's our identity what makes us who we are. So God begins to help us to evaluate our lives and begin to look at things and what brings Him glory, what doesn't. There's something I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase before, but I maybe I came up with it. I don't know. But the word Jesus ears. Anybody ever heard that before? You need to use your Jesus ears. Anybody ever heard someone say that? Jesus ears are this. It's when you're listening to see if what somebody is saying has any connection whatsoever to Jesus Christ. It's like this. If someone's saying, yeah, I went... Bought me a car, and you know, I filled it up with gas, went drag racing with my buddies, and we had a great old time. As a matter of fact, we did it all day Saturday, all day Sunday. I'm telling you, we had a blast. Man, I just never had so much fun in my life. My life's great. I'm listening with Jesus' ears, and I'm going, I don't think he's a Christian, or else he doesn't realize that a Christian should have something about glory to God and what he's saying giving God thanks for this ability. Not, I did this, I did that, I did this. Look at me, how wonderful my life is because I did all these things. You understand? Listening for Jesus and what people say is called Jesus' ears. And if you listen, you'll hear most people talking about themselves. And there's not glory to God. And when we begin to hear with Jesus' ears, we'll hear ourselves as well. Now, that's not fun when you hear yourself say something like, yeah, look at me, I got five people jobs last month. No, I didn't. My boss corrects me every time I say that. He says, you didn't get them jobs. They got the jobs for themselves. You didn't get them the job. You weren't the business owner. So we had a meeting this last week. Our treatment team met, myself, two co-workers, and our supervisor, boss guy. This is great. And I'm listening to see what I can learn to do better, right? And he says, well, you need to get more people jobs. And here's how we do that. And I said, I can't get anybody a job. My supervisor has informed me that I can only help them locate and apply and encourage them. And he said, ah, someone's listening. ha, <laughs> ha. When God hears you say, I don't hear Jesus coming out of my mouth, He goes, ah, someone's listening. You'd think that my supervisor would just give me a direct line on an insight about how God works. And He did. I think He was doing that intentionally and He wanted to know if I got the message. God will do this for us as well. And He'll evaluate and help us end those things and I'm bringing Him glory. When Christ comes, we're not the same people. We are different. Some of us radically. Some of us you can't tell from this second to the next who that other person was because this new person's It's like, what did you do with them and put this person in their place? And sometimes it's the people themselves who say, I don't know who I used to be, but I know who I am now. And there's some of us who that change is more gradual. But it's still God's work. All of it. And gradually we begin to see that our perspective changes and we think differently and we begin to not see things how they affect us but how they are related to the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. This is not a step in a different direction because if it was a choice to step in a different direction we could step back in the old direction. But when God comes in we're no longer satisfied with what we used to do. It just doesn't Bring joy. Matter of fact, you engage in that stuff and it will probably make you mad or upset because it just doesn't do anything for you. I'm excited though because God has given us a wonderful, wonderful opportunity here for a working God. It's already begun. I've seen it. I didn't tell you the other thing that happened Wednesday, but I put it in the bulletin. And, and, and Diane and I were talking in the kitchen before the uh, boxes. And uh, Brenda walks in. And Brenda, her hands are drawn up like this. And she says, I don't know if I can do this tonight. It really, really hurts. And I can't straighten my hands. And she's like this. You, Diane can tell you. And, and and Diane says, well, you're probably dehydrated, sweetie. Go get you some water, a bottle of water, and try that. And she says, well, I'll try anything, you know. And so she goes and comes back, bottle of water, and, and I said, can you set that bottle of water down for a second? And I, and I wanted to pray with her. And when... This was happening, I felt God nudge and say, I want her. She doesn't really trust me yet. Not Diane. Brandon. So when I felt God put on my heart. And I said, Okay, I'm not sure what that means, but okay. Let's go with it. You know, sometimes you go, Okay, God, I don't know what you're talking about. Let's do it anyway. And that's kind of what happened. She walked back and I grabbed her hands, they were brutally Almost ice cold, and I was stunned. I said, "Boy, your hands are cold." She goes, "No, I know, I know." And I grabbed one hand in each and start praying. And and I, I was just going to say, "God, you know, take care of her hands, make sure her hands feel better, so she can make it through the night." Make her, you know, the, the casual prayer, right? This kind of prayer where you go, "Well, if God doesn't answer, it's because you know maybe I didn't pray it right or I didn't have enough faith," but those words did not come out of my mouth. As soon as I grabbed her hands, I said, God wants to restore you. And I said, no, no, it's your hands, God. It's your... That's what I'm trying to tell him. He says, God wants to restore you. And he's starting right now with your hands to show you that your hands are like your life and he's going to restore you starting immediately. And I go over her hands, but as I was praying with her, her hands got on fire. Hot. I mean hot. And they became soft. They were hard. When I first grabbed the hold, they became soft and, and tender to the touch. And when I let go, I knew what had happened. Um, and I said, so, how are your hands? She goes like this. All good. And she goes back and does the food pantry. A couple hours later at the end of the evening, I asked her how her hands are doing, she said, They're fine, they're fine, I'm good. I said, No, you're not good yet. Remember the prayer that God wanted to restore you and to prove that he was going to heal your hands. That you're next. And she goes, Well, if he can do it, I'm all for it. <laughs> I'm all for it. And sometimes we say that out of our head. I'm all for whatever God wants, you know, go ahead, God. But heart says, I've got to be willing to follow whatever he says, and and she was there at that moment, and I grabbed her hand to shake it, and her hand was still very very warm. You can testify to that. It was amazing. Jerry saw her before and after. There were several of us here today who um, saw that happen, and I know that it was a work of God. But it wasn't so. Oh, look what Pastor did! I didn't do that. I was not the one who did that. I didn't think it. What happened, actually, I just was praying, but God said this is part of her restoration. Now the reason I say that to you is because we have a front row seat for what God does when we belong to Him. We get to see God at work. And the funny <coughs> thing about it is, is not only do we have a front row seat, we're the one causing the action <laughs> by playing the part of who we are in Jesus Christ, speaking the truth, in love, loving one another. We're different now. We get to see a work of God that, frankly, we know is a work of God, even if nobody else understands. I asked Brenda to share the story, and she could not. She, I couldn't either. I was so moved by it. And Diane ended up having to tell the story. She was apparently okay enough to tell it. But after she told it, Jerry, remember what happened? People cheered God on. It was like the Spirit of God fell in that place. It was awesome. You saw it, Steve. Hey, Dale, you did too. So well, everybody was in here. Was there. We got to see that. us saw that. It was amazing. But I'm telling you this, not because, oh, I wish I could have been there. It's because you are here now. Because it's different now, not just then. It's not what God did. It's what He is doing. It's a work in progress. We are expecting God to show up and do something while we gather. And that's exciting to me. This old way of, well, God, we used to do this and now we're not doing anything, is over. God's doing something, and all we got to do is see it and join it and celebrate it and tell others, look what God's doing here. And, and it's the W in new. It's called walking it out. Um, anybody ever had a cramp in their leg? I get them a lot. A lot. If I sit down at my office desk for more than 45, 50 minutes at a time, I get it. So do you know what I do? I don't go looking for Advil. I go walk it out. There's a pain. am not going to get rid of the pain. I'm going to go walk it out. I'm going to stretch the muscle that's hurting I'm going to get the blood full, the fresh blood in there. That's different than, oh, I'm hurting, let me just pop this and I'll keep making myself worse and not know it because I can't feel it now. I'm going to walk it out. And God is asking us to walk out our faith in the same way. There are parts of our life that still hurt. There are parts of us that are still broken. There are parts of us that don't work yet. But God says don't pretend they're not there. Start walking out. Stretching that. Using that. And let God work through that to bring you new. In 1 Peter chapter 4, we find these words. And this is, this, this is like, when you, when you hear this, if you heard it, hear it the way I heard it, you'll go, oh, let me read that for myself. It's in chapter 4, 1 Peter, beginning of verse 3. This is the stuff right here. And this is talking about being 180. It says, We have spent enough of our past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles. What we wanted, when we wanted. Walking after our own desires. When we walked in lewdness and our lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation speaking evil of you. In other words, those folks that are still doing that thing, that you're not doing it, there's something wrong with you. What's wrong with you that you're not doing what you used to do when you used to do it with us? And he says, They will give an account to Him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the Gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. Now here it is. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, here's the instructions. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, Have fervent love one for another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. You mean I got put up with that? Don't grumble. Be thankful God gave you opportunity. As each one... Here's the authority God's given us. As each one has received a gift, whatever that gift might be, I may add... Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, and this is Peter, if anyone speaks, let him speak as though the oracles of God. In other words, when you speak, believe God is speaking through you. If anyone ministers, let them do it with the ability with which God supplies. Don't add but by all means use what God has given you, that in all things, Jesus' hears, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. This is what Peter tells us. There are people who are bold in this world with the faith and some who are not. That gift of boldness can transform us. My daughter has a gift of boldness. Amazing gift. A blessing. One sometimes I'm not thankful for, but most of the time I am. And I tell you this, that she has brought me to a lot of places where God's healing can occur. And I'm thankful for those. And I'll tell you, it's not easy to stand here and admit, but I'm a fool for Jesus. I'm a fool for Jesus. Learning to be wise. I even said that during the revival, I'm just going to be a fool. Well, until God makes me wise, I'm going to be a fool. And I don't want to talk about anything that He's not involved in. And I don't want to think about anything He's not going to use for His glory. Although sometimes I do. This is the transference that God is trying to change and move in us. I don't want to be quiet about Jesus. And when I talk about Him, I feel completely different. I feel a fire burn inside of me. Something stirs. I want to know that He's alive, and I want the whole world to know that He's alive here in Milburn, Kentucky, in this church. I know He is. His love was proven for us And He's taking what seems small to those around us. And He's ushered in a new life of age and hope right here. And resurrection joy. I say this, miracles are happening. It's undeniable. God is doing something. I didn't do that. I couldn't do that. And... Newsflash, neither did you. But you've been praying for it, and now God's doing it. And now we can join Him in doing it and let other folks know that it's going on. As a matter of fact, what happened here the week of October 11 just started happening last Sunday in Metropolis. A fire of Holy Spirit blessing broke out there. I heard about it. I said, oh good, it's not just us. He's doing it elsewhere. And I was sharing that story with somebody else and they said, well I heard it's happening over here in uh, uh, I think it was Reedland where they said it was happening. And I said, so there's one over there. God is doing something. He's fulfilling the prophecy of His Word that He would pour out His Spirit on us. He's doing that. I don't want you to miss it. Healing. Restoration. All things new. But God has asked you to walk it out. To take that step into the pain and the hurt and let God use that as you move into His grace and find healing for that. Can I tell you something? How would you like for me to stand up here say I'm a Say I got this struggle, right? And I say, well, I just took my uh, Tylenol for my struggle, and now I don't feel my struggle anymore, and I'm so thankful for Tylenol. Uh, Multi-symptom struggle Tylenol. I no longer feel like I'm in debt. I feel better. I'm no longer in debt. Although I would still be in debt, but just wouldn't feel like it. Or would you rather me say something like this? God broke me. I didn't use anything but His grace and His grace alone. And He walked out His grace in me and through me and brought me to a place where I could be delivered from that bondage of whatever it was as our Galatians says, and I'm no longer a slave to it. I'm free. I'm free. I no longer have to walk there anymore. And I can pull people into that struggle now and say, help me. I want to stay free. I want to be alive in this world for Christ without hindrance. Hebrews 12 says, Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily hinders us. It doesn't have to work hard for some of us. (laughs) But I promise you, this newness transforms. We are a new creation. God's helping us evaluate and end things. And we're walking it out through the pain. But the pain, as it's healed, becomes our story of the miracle of God in our life. Because we know only God could do this. Only God. And only God can usher us into a place of healing, restoration, grace, and forgiveness when our hearts have grown cold only God and thank God He says yes and today we're going to take Holy Communion and the way we do this is by intention but I'm going to offer this if you don't know, it's for anybody anybody who says yes to God, That's what it's for and we're saying yes to Jesus, I, I want what you want from me I don't want to just think it out. I want it in my heart so I'm passionate about it with every breath I take. And until that time comes that every breath praises you, keep working on me. I don't know about you, but I think it'll be the day I die before God finally says, okay, you're done working on it. But we have as a church made a turn. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go back to four weeks ago. I don't. I don't think I would know what to do with myself or with you. God worked too hard. He knew. God knew this day was coming. It took some time to get us here and to be willing for it. But as we commune together, know that we are one. He even says we are one in the Spirit. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, one Son, one Lord who is above all, in all, and through all. That is the kind of God we worship. And that's new. That's not what our old self would talk about. But that's all I want to talk about. Everything else seems secondary to me. And that restoration happens here at the foot of the cross. I invite you today when we have communion to receive it, pray if you need to, to seek His heart and just say, God, I say yes to you. I say yes to you. I want that new. Whatever it looks like for me, I want that. And once you stand up, please hear this, you're not the same. Look, when Christ comes in, you are a 180 person. You are. Whether you know it or not, you are. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about that life and how that lives. And what that looks like. And I'm so happy and thankful that I got to share this word with you today. May God be praised. Amen. As we prepare for Holy Communion, I'm going to invite our musicians. They're going to.